Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Who are the top college players taking the field this fall? Well, we break down the stars on both sides of the ball and how they project with my next guest right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. Give me a follow on Twitter at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and features, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Everyone is talking about the best in college football. The top QB, the electric running back, and the sticky hands wide receivers. Some programs have an embarrassment of riches on the defense as well. The rushers who will wreak havoc, stuff the middle, and roam the secondary. So we get a detailed report on the next wave of college football superstars everyone will be talking about. With my special guest on the show, Ryan Roberts, NFL Draft Analyst for Coast to Coast Scouting and Expand the Box Score, plus scouting for the College Gridiron Showcase. You got to check out his podcast, Believe in NFL Draft Prospects and Maverick Sports Consulting. And you can find him on Twitter at Rise and Draft. That's Rise, capital N Draft. Thanks for joining me, Ryan. Absolutely, Chris. It's been a while, man. Like we were just kind of saying before we started. So I appreciate you having me back on again. Uh, always, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. With the NFL Draft in the rearview mirror and the college football season on the horizon, it's time to take a look at which players will dominate on Saturdays with hopes of being a star on Sundays. So you put together the preliminary report on coasttocoastscouting.com, which I recommend everyone check out. Talk about a comprehensive report as a football nerd. I love it. That player evaluation form is so detailed. Is that the form you always use? Um, so actually, uh, it's, it's something that I just adopted this last um, few months or so. Um, I know you had David Turner that was on your show a while ago. So it is it is a little doctored, a little, you know, uh, to my individual liking, but it is a form very similar to the ones that he used with the Oakland Raiders at the time with the Carolina Panthers. So I, I wanted to kind of bring that comprehensive feel for more of like an NFL evaluation uh, in a sense. Uh, it's fantastic. And Dave's a great guy also. And let's dive right into the top signal callers for this fall. Could junior quarterback Carson Strong of Nevada really be the number one overall selection in the 2022 draft? I, th I think it's possible. I mean, there's it's so it's it's such a wide open class. There's been kind of this misnomer, in my opinion, that you know early on people were saying that it's a really down quarterback class in in 2022 specifically. I don't buy into that because I keep watching these guys and I keep getting you know early second round grades for which for me is a non weighted grade. Like I don't have positional value you know put into that equation at all. 
So I think that there's a lot of talented quarterbacks like Keaton Slovis from USC and Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, Phil Dracover from Boston College, Carson Strong, of course, which was, you know, the start of this question. I think that there is a lot of talented quarterbacks. For me, what is really, I think, buoying Carson Strong for me in this class is there's some guys that maybe lack the refinement in the sense of like, you know, from one year to the next, the experience factor, you know, whether it be the physical skill set. I think Carson Strong has everything that you would want in the quarterback because he's going to be a, a three-year starter this year. From 2019 to 2020 was such a increase in production and increase in just quality of play. It was, it was phenomenal. And then he's 6'3 plus, he's 215 plus pounds. He has a very strong arm. He's asked to do more at the line of scrimmage than basically any quarterback that I have evaluated so far, so far from 2022. So right now, I really think that he kind of checks a lot of boxes. And I'm, I'm really excited about him because he, he's in um, Matt Mummy's air raid system, which if anybody knows Hal Mummy, he is kind of the pioneer of the air raid system. And we're getting more and more elements with the Cliff Kingsbury's of the world now in the NFL for that system. And I think that he is a very mature, well-spoken young man who is, is still hitting the ceiling. But I, I really think that with uh, another year of maturation, he could potentially be that first quarterback off the board. Yeah, talk about that air raid system. He posted five 300-yard passing games, twice hitting the 400-yard mark over the season's nine games. And another QB you mentioned, he's redshirted at Wake, saw limited time at Notre Dame, and now goes on to his second season at Boston College. Phil, what do you like about that six foot five passer, Phil Jakovic? Yeah, uh, I mean, so, you know, for the Notre Dame fan in me, uh, you know, Jerkovic was a high recruit, high four-star, bordering on a five-star recruit out of Pine Richland High School, which is up near the Pittsburgh area. And, you know, them getting him to Notre Dame was a big deal at the time for me. I thought that he was going to be the next great signal caller in, in Notre Dame. And, of course, he got kind of fed up with, you know, sitting on the bench a little bit with Ian Book. I know the the – you know, relationship between him and, you know, some of the offensive coaches wasn't the best near the end there, but Boston college lands. And, and I, for me, it, I think it's a little more than that Pittsburgh connection, but we're talking six, five, we're talking about 230 plus pounds. He reminds me a lot of Ben Roethlisberger when he was coming out of Miami, Ohio. I think that he plays very similarly in the sense of like, he has a, he's a big guy, has a very strong arm, but the thing that he can do out as an extender um, outside of the pocket, you know, breaking tackles inside, being such a physically well put together young man. I think that he has a lot of attributes that are sim similar to a young Big Ben. And I, I really do think that he has an opportunity here because he's only a one year starter at Boston College. He has all five offensive linemen coming back. All that five, helps. Of my secret. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And I think all five of them are going to have a chance to play in the NFL. And then he's got Zay Flowers, who's a really talented wide receiver coming back as well. So I think that that second year coming in the offense, I think there's going to be a big bump in production. I gave him a second round grade right now because I think that the talent is all there. You know, he's got some things that he needs to kind of you know figure out and work through from a technical perspective that you would is very understandable of a, of a, you know, just a first year starting quarterback. But I think the talent is all there. And I don't even think it's that big of a hot take to have him, you know, somewhere in the top five of the quarterbacks right now. Because, I mean, Dane Brugler of the Athletic had him, I think, going number 15th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers in a recent mock draft. So lots to like about Phil Jacoby for sure. Yeah, replacing Big Ben with a similar Big Ben. And right. like you said, he's the first BC quarterback with four or more 300-yard passing games in a season since Matt Ryan did it in 2007. And we have on the show one of my favorites, Ryan Roberts. 
NFL draft analyst for coast-to-coast scouting and expand the box score, plus regional scouting for the College Gridiron Showcase. Find them on Twitter at Rise and Draft. That's Rise, Capital, and Draft. Another one you mentioned, sophomore QB, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State, lit it up as a true freshman. Can this top dual threat Sun Devil continue to his rise? I think he can. Uh, there's a there's a plethora of really talented athletic quarterbacks, the Malik Willis's of the world and the Jaden Daniels of the world that have the opportunity to rise. It, unfortunately for him, and it's the same kind of story with Keaton Slovis, is the the craziness of the pandemic, the the you know shutdowns of conferences, and the Pac-12 having their very um, abbreviated season, I don't think it helped him at all because you saw a lot of flashes of Jaden Daniels as a true freshman and then only having a four-game sample size as a sophomore after missing practice early on because you thought the season was going to be postponed and then it's back on. There was a lot of moving parts, which I think hurt his development. But from a you know talent perspective, he's six foot three. He's athletic. He has a strong arm. He needs to add weight right now. He's only about 190 pounds, very thin man. But I, I do think that he has the baseline athleticism and arm strength that could have a big rise. It's just all about having that structure this year and having a lot of live bullets that he continue that maturation process because the talent is clear to see with a guy like J- Jaden Daniels. Yeah, and he's definitely accurate because he hasn't thrown an interception in 157 consecutive pass attempts, tied for the fourth longest active streak in the nation heading into 2020. And then we got, like you said, USC Trojans gunslinger Keaton Slovis. Will the junior be in the top quarterback conversation this fall? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I believe so. I, I think that right now I would say it's a three-quarterback race for me. I think Rattler, Slovis, and Strong are the three favorites for me early. I'm sure there's a couple of guys that could be in that conversation. I know a lot of people like Sam Howell in that conversation. He got a second-round grade for me as well. Some people are big infatuated with uh, Malik Willis out of Liberty. So it's kind of wide open, but I do think that Keaton Slovis from a technical perspective is more advanced than any of these quarterbacks. He's also, I believe the youngest one, if memory serves me correctly, he's a guy that's trained with Kurt Warner in the past. He has just technical refinement. His, you know, his base is always solid. His, he stays on platform. His feet are great inside the pocket. He again suffered from an abbreviated season where he was also dealing with a throwing shoulder injury, which kind of hurt his kind of hurt his production as a sophomore compared to what the insane numbers that he put up as a freshman. But I think in a fully healthy year and a full slate of games, Keaton Slovis could end up being the first quarterback off the board. I, I think that a lot of teams are really going to love the fact of he's a three-year starter at a major university in the power five. And then he has the production to back it up. Yeah, he definitely has the production. Even in the lack of games, he's thrown over 42 TDs in the past 13 games. And like you mentioned, Spencer Rattler, at Oklahoma, the Heisman QB factory, we have the red-shirted sophomore. Can the Davey O'Brien Awards semifinalist be lifting some hardware at the end of this season? I, I think so. He, um, it, you know, Oklahoma quarterbacks, that's just kind of what they do under Lincoln <laughs> Riley. I mean, Kyler Murray, they expect Baker Mayfield. It. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a underwhelming if a quarterback doesn't hoist the Heisman and go first overall right now for Lincoln Riley. So I think that he definitely has the opportunity. He has a lot of talent coming back. There were some inconsistencies to his game, but even through the inconsistencies, you know, 28 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. He had a phenomenal first year starting quarterback. And for a trend of transfer quarterbacks that have been going to Oklahoma, 
having the development aspect, I think, going into his second year potentially here, I, I think is huge for a guy like a Spencer Rattler, who ju- was just getting his feet wet last year. And from a talent perspective, he has maybe the most talented arm in the class. I mean, coupled with not only arm strength, but just the release quickness he has, ball comes out in a hurry. He's got the athleticism to him. I would say from a from just my perspective, from what I've seen on Twitter and just from some talking heads, I would th- I think that he might be what people perceive to be as the clear-cut favorite to end up as the top quarterback off the board, at least from a talent perspective. And it is a pretty clean projection when you think of what Lincoln Riley has done for the team. There is just, you know, some inconsistencies that are still there. He got a little gun shy in the you know middle of the season when uh, when he kind of went through a little bit of a rough patch. But the talent is clearly all there. He could also be not only in the conversation for the Heisman and some of those other awards, but he could be in that conversation for the first quarterback off the board as well. Yeah, amazing. And his 92.5 passing grade by PFF ranked third nationally last season behind BYU Zach Wilson and Heisman finalist Mac Jones of Alabama. We are speaking with Ryan Roberts, NFL draft analyst for Coast to Coast Scouting, plus regional scout for the College Gridiron Showcase. And I love the stories of the small school QBs going on the legendary status. You mentioned Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Is there a non-Power 5 QB you like in that mold? Um, I guess I guess Malik would probably be the favorite. He's, I mean, I, I haven't put out his official eval, but I think he ended up with somewhere in that early third round conversation for me. And I think that he's a, you know, he's an Auburn transfer, so he's a guy that you know was heavily recruited, kind of had the weightiest turn at Auburn, never really you know came to fruition for him. Has that talent though that I think that he could transcend the situation and be a really talented quarterback um, at the next level. Kind of has a dual threat aspect to him, so he would probably be the guy that is like the clear cut guy to be that non power five to make the next jump. But and I know we talked about Carson Strong, who is also a Mountain West guy. So he has the opportunity for that as well. So those are a couple guys that I think have the best opportunity. I have been kind of, you know, doing my due diligence on some of the smaller school guys. I, I think that there are definitely some players with potential, but if you had to ask me who are the guys that are most likely to make that ascension of non power five players, I would say be Willis and Strong for sure. The 2021 draft started with three straight QBs. And five were taken in the first 15 picks, so there's plenty of quarterbacks to keep an eye on. And I know on your Twitter feed that you sat down with Trey Self, the Stephen F. Austin QB, and Fort Hayes State QB Chance Fuller, who had 35 TDs, only six picks in 2019. Their 2020 season was canceled, so make sure you follow Rise and Draft for all the news. Let's dive into the ground game and your insight on the running back, Brees Hall from Iowa State. Is he your RB1? He is right now. He's actually the only one that, I, that I've evaluated fully so far. So I, I started doing my digging into Kyron Williams from Notre Dame and Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. I think it's going to kind of be a three-horse race, but I, Brees Hall got a really high second-round grade for me, which is a good grade for a running back especially. And I, I think that he might be my favorite comparison that I've made so far. I, it immediately popped off, and I don't know if it's because he wears 28 to a degree, but Curtis Martin was a guy that just kept popping in my head. Nice. That's I a felt, good comparison. Yeah. I mean, Hall of Fame running back. So, you know, obviously I don't want to, you know, put too much pressure on the young man. But for me, it was, you know, he's 6'1", 215 pounds. He's a very solid frame. I wouldn't necessarily call him a pure power back. I wouldn't necessarily call him a pure speed back. But he kind of just has best of both worlds. And he has just subtle quickness in the hole, makes guys on the second level miss so often he has great vision. I think that there's an all-around skill set to a guy like a Brees Hall. 
he is definitely the favorite to finish running back one. Obviously, I need to do a lot more work in that um, in that area here very soon. But I think that he has all the talent in the world to be that guy. And I mean, if anybody saw what he did for Iowa State this past year, phenomenal running back, to say the least. Uh, to say the least is right. Hall was the first unanimous All-American in Iowa State history. Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, runner-up for the Doak Walker Award, sixth in the Heisman Trophy balloting, first team All-Big 12, and the nation's leading rusher with 1,572 yards for the third best season total in school history. We're speaking with Ryan Roberts, NFL Draft Analyst for Coast to Coast Scouting. And the college football pass catchers are intriguing, and you profiled one in particular. What do you like about Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks? So if you like if you like LaVisca Chenault coming out of Colorado, you're going to love uh, Traylon Burks because he is a guy that is used almost, you know, to the exact, you know, stereotype of that system. Like he is playing a slot receiver role. They're sending him in motion. They're giving him jet sweeps. They are using him basically as a big move piece. He's almost like an, a detached H-back. Like he is in the slot working from that alignment of ton, running some RPO action. The thing that is really interesting about a guy like Traylon Burst, which I think is going to make him potentially a first round selection down the road is six foot three listed on the roster over 230 pounds. Yeah, big boy. He's big boy. Yeah. He's a physically put together guy. He looks like a small tight end on the field to a degree. And I think that he's a legit four, four athlete who has the ability to threaten vertically. I think that there is some work to be done as a route runner. And unfortunately in the system that he runs and the role that he runs, uh, they don't ask for too much development at as a route runner because he's just running a lot of very just you know standard slants, arrow routes, you know ver- some vertical stems, like nothing that's you know too complex. But I think from a size athleticism perspective, this guy could be a huge riser. He's a yak guy who breaks a ton of tackles after the catch and becomes a running back basically in the open field. So I think that the comparison to a guy like the Lavisca Schnault is pretty apt. He he kind of does the same things that that Lavisca did for Colorado outside of running, you know, the Wildcat a little bit like LaVisca did. But I think Traylon is is kind of that move piece, can play slot. I think he has the size, obviously, to play outside. Versatile weapon who, as an after-catch player, is potentially special. Yeah, well, he tied Boo Williams as the fastest Razorback receiver just 18 games to reach 1,000 career receiving yards since 1997. We're speaking with Ryan Roberts, NFL Draft Analyst for Coast to Coast Scouting. And another wideout I know you're high on is Bo Melton out of Rutgers. Why should fans pay attention to him? Well, I'm a little biased, to be honest, on Bo. <laughs> you know, we're, we're both, you we're both uh, Jersey, Jersey guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's, um, I mean, so he played at Cedar Creek High School, and he was one of the best uh, high school football players that I've ever seen in person. And he was a track guy, too. He has a track background. He had a really nice season this past year for Rutgers and, you know, obviously Shiano coming back, um, coach Greg Shiano, you know, getting things turned around after what was some bad years for Rutgers. But I, I do think that he took some big steps forward this year as a technician, as a route runner after contributing his first couple of years. But I really think that he kind of put, put it together a little bit. He, I had an opportunity to talk to him. And he spoke about his his uh, wide receiver coach, Tyquan Underwood, who was a very good wide receiver at Rutgers as well and played in the NFL for a little bit. And just his maturation as a football player. And I, I think that the track background helps a ton. He is super smooth in and out of breaks. He has some route quickness to him. You know, I, I really think that he creates some instant separation. 
And then I think that he's a kid that legitimately could run in the four threes. I think that he has that speed element to him. So I think Rutgers has some nice prospects this year in general. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bo Melton is at the end of the day, potentially a day two player when all is said and done. Yeah, all he does is score touchdowns. Bo was voted team captain and led the team with nine touchdowns. That included six receiving, two rushing, one punt return. And he has a 56 points scored and 942 all-purpose yards. And you mentioned Burks as the size of a tight end. Who are your must-watch tight ends this season? And are there any Kyle Pitts-esque players in that group? No, I, I wouldn't say Kyle Pitts-esque. I, I would say that it's a very interesting class. Um, the, I think the guy that's probably going to be the early favorite for most is Jalen Weidermeyer, the tight end out of Texas A&M. He has all the size attributes. I think he's listed at like 6'5", 260, 265, big body guy. Um, he's that catch point tight ends. You know, he's a guy that's hard to cover, you know, with, with the, you know, he's, he's either going to be a little too athletic for some linebackers or he's going to be much too big to handle with some defensive backs. So he's kind of a mismatch with his size and he's a smooth athlete. I wouldn't call him a dynamic athlete, but he's very interesting to say the least. And a guy that I'm a little bit infatuated with that I'm actually writing up right now is he doesn't fit the mold, and he's a polar opposite of a guy like a Jalen Watermeyer, but a Jalil Billingsley, the tight end out of Alabama, plays more like a slot receiver. He's like almost like a, a big slot type of receiver who's listed at six foot four, 230, 235 pounds. So he needs to gain a little bit of weight. But Alabama asked him to do a ton of different things from playing in line, playing H, playing in the slot. And he, I mean, they were even running some like jet sweeps to him at some points too. So he's, he's that type of athlete, basically a big wide receiver. But I, the first moment that I kind of caught a glimpse of him, I didn't even know who he was. I just saw 19 <laughs> out of the corner of my eye. Caught your eye. Yeah. Caught my eye. You know, I'm watching, I think I was watching Najee Harris at that point and the kid, you know, at, at, again, as an undersized tight end, um, as a, like an H what, you know, absolutely destroyed someone and, and planted him in the ground in the run game. And I'm like, whoa, who is that big wide receiver? And then you kind of watch him and, and see what he did during the season. And I think that he is that potential dynamic move piece. I, I think he might be a little bit of what people wanted Evan Ingram to be coming out of Ole Miss. I think he has that type of skill set. I think he's a very smooth, athletic kid who has some vertical speed to him can do a lot of things. I mean, they, again, they were running not only jet sweeps, but they're play, throwing bubble screens to them. Like this guy is kind of the modern day, what you're expecting out of that tight end position to play multiple spots. So he's kind of my early favorite to be a huge riser, but I think that a lot of people are going to look at a guy like a wider Meyer and be really excited about him. Um, I think that Charlie Kohler from Iowa State is going to have some fans. I think Kate Otten from Washington are going to have some fans, but the two guys that I'm most excited about and most interested to see the evolve in um, the maturation in their game would be Weidermeyer and Jalil Billingsley out of Alabama. Yeah, it sounds like they fit the bill of what the NFL is looking for right now. And I know you also sat down with Air Force tight end Kyle Patterson. His father, Sean, played in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers, and he had 205 yards and two TDs on 12 receptions in just five games last season. So that's another one to keep tabs on. And we're going to move to the defensive side of the ball right after this. My favorite four-letter word, meat. That's why I love Moink, the best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, and even the best salmon you'll ever eat won't come from the grocery store. You'll find it on the family farm and caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. That's why you need Moinkbox.com. Join the Moink movement today 
Go to moinkbox.com slash believe and listeners to this show get free bacon for a year with every box order. That's all. How can you go wrong with free bacon? That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, go to moinkbox.com spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Welcome back to Believe in College Football Legends podcast. I'm Chris Smith. And we're speaking with Ryan Roberts, NFL Draft Analyst for Coast to Coast Scouting and Expand the Box Score, plus regional scouting for the College Gridiron Showcase. Let's turn to the defensive side of the ball and those who will wreak havoc. And one that definitely does is Oregon's Kayvon Thibodeau, not just the best defensive player in college football, but the best we've seen in years. Uh, it's very possible. I mean, he, he I think he's definitely going to be in that conversation with, you know, the Miles Garretts of the world, the Nick Boses, the... Chase Young's, Joey Bosa's, like he's going to be in that next in line type of kid. What really surprised me about Thibodeau is I expected when I popped on the film for Oregon that, you know, just kind of in my live watching of him was that he is going to be this super twitchy, explosive defensive end who is, you know, kind of a pure pass rusher and maybe needs some work in the run game because he's not the most, you know, he's not the most dense player of all time. Like he definitely needs to add weight, but I got, I did not get that player at all. I mean, I got the twitchiness. I got the explosiveness. But the work that he does in the run game took me so by surprise. He is a physical dude complete who package. plays with complete package, plays with great efforts. I was so surprised with how advanced he was in the run game. And I actually think that there's a much higher upside with him as a pass rusher moving forward because I, I think that he is just a guy that has been able to overwhelm players at the point of attack, you know, working up the arc. Um, and, you know, just offensive tackles just aren't quite athletic enough to handle them. And I don't think that that has helped him develop his game from a technical perspective as a pass rusher. I feel like he doesn't really have a pass rush plan. He just overwhelms players right now. So kind of moving forward, we already have the baseline of him being a really good run defender. And then he has that type of athletic profile. This kid's ceiling is limitless. He could definitely be in that Miles Garrett comparison in that conversation down the road because he has all the tools necessary and he plays with great effort. So we're not talking about like a, you know, Jadavion Clowney type of player where like, oh, the, the ceiling is endless. But then, you know, it seems like coming out of South Carolina, like he took some plays off. Like it, this kid from Thibodeau out of Oregon doesn't take any plays off. He plays with his hair on fire which when you couple that with the athletic profile he has, gets you super excited, obviously. Yeah, definitely excited. First player to lead Oregon in sacks and tackle for losses in back-to-back seasons since 2010. And of the other two edge rushers in your report, DeMarvin Leal of Texas A&M and George Karlaftis of Purdue, who has the most upside? I would say uh, DeMarvin Leal has, has the best upside. He is so six foot four, 290 pounds. I graded him as a defensive end, as an edge, just because that's what he plays. He's a base 4-3 defensive end in Texas A&M system. I actually think he's going to play more like a 3-4 defensive end role where he's going to play like that 5-tech, 4-I type of player because he has kind of those size attributes to him. But I think that this kid, I, I don't think early on that it's a great interior defensive line class. But when you see the development with him if we get him to 300 pounds and he's still this type of athlete I mean this kid is doing backflips like he is a stupid athlete so if we are able to get him to be the best version of himself this kid is potentially special like he has he's not nearly as big as the Force Buckner but I think that he has that type of 
the force Buckner penetration ability from a three, four alignment. Like I think that he definitely has that ability. And then, I mean, George Karlakis right now, he graded out a little higher for Leal just because I think that he has a little more of a higher floor right now because he is a guy that is super physical plays with his hair on fire is a better athlete than people are kind of giving him credit for. I think that he kind of hits all those boxes, checks all those marks. Um, I great. I compared him to Kyle Vandenbosch, who was a really good player with the Tennessee Titans for a few years. So I think that that's kind of what I'm looking at stylistically. But I would say Leal as a move piece on the defensive line definitely is the highest upside. I would not be surprised if at the end of the day, he is a top 10 to 15 player with how disruptive he can be. Unbelievable. In his 2020 sophomore campaign, DeMarvin Leal started all 10 games and led the defense in hurries with eight and ranked fifth in tackles. You also have reports on Ohio State's Haskell Garrett, who you say is, quote, quick twitch with an explosive first step. Garrett is a prototype three technique with penetration ability to work against the run and the pass. And Stanford's Thomas Booker, who was voted all Pac-12 second team defensive line by the coaches and Phil Steele for 2020. So you have to check out coasttocoastscouting.com for all of that. We're speaking with Ryan Roberts, NFL draft analyst for Coast to Coast Scouting. And in the 2021 draft, there were 59 DBs picked, the most since the draft moved to a seven-round format in 1994. And with lots of quality players at that DB position, can you break down your report on Oregon's Verone McKinley III? Yeah. Um, um, so Verone McKinley III, he is a really fun football player that I enjoy a bunch. I actually just got the ability to sit down with him for a second time the other day, just kind of, you know, shoot the breeze and just, you know, see how everything's been going for him. So he was a kid that was recruited as an outside cornerback, played nickel early on in his career. They had Javon Holland, obviously, going into 2019, who played kind of that, you know, oversized nickel role. So he actually moved back to safety. He was playing on the on the on the roof more than he was kind of in the box. And then this year, I feel like they used him in multiple roles. Like I saw him in the slot. I saw him deep. I saw him underneath. Can do a lot of things. He's a versatile piece. Not the biggest safety of all time. But for me, he reminds me a little bit of Rodney McLeod, who's been a really good player for the Philadelphia Eagles now for a few years. I don't think that he is the most dynamic athlete of all time. But what I think he is, is he's always in the right spot. Just he's a coach's dream. He's a guy that is not going to give up the big play. And then he's willing in the box. I think that his best attributes potentially are as a slot defender in man coverage. I think that he has great hips. He's super fluid in in tight spaces. So I think he gives you reps both on the roof in the box, in the slot. Like I think he can do a little bit of everything. And he kind of just has that versatile piece that in, the NFL now where it's, it's evolved so much to be in a matchup dictated league, a guy that can potentially play multiple roles and match up in man-to-man coverage. Like I think that that's very valuable in today's game. He also was the third freshman to leave the Pac-12 in interception since 1978. And in the outfield of the defense, does USC's Isaiah Palomalo remind you of his uncle Troy Palomalo? Um, not really. I mean, they're very, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's obviously a big comparison to compare anybody to Troy, but I will say Isaiah is, I mean, the kid is listed at six foot four. I think he's a legit six, three plus. He is very rangy on the back end. Um, play, he played like the true free safety single high a ton for USC, which for that size is pretty absurd. You know, that you don't see guys that size that are, that are playing that role, but he has, some underrated athleticism, 
some underrated range. I think that he can last in that role, but what really caught me off guard, I mean, not off guard, but for a lighter frames guy that still needs to add weight, the kid gets involved in the run game. It's not perfect. He misses some tackles, but there are some hits that he puts on film that do remind you, you know, a little bit of what his, what, you know, what Troy was doing back in the day. So they're obviously a little bit of comparison there. But I think that he's a, and again, he's a versatile guy that I think teams are going to see a lot differently. But, you know, he graded out high for me because I think that he's rangy, athletic, big safety that has the ability to affect both the run and the pass game at a high degree. Yeah, for his career, 121 tackles, including eight for losses of 40 yards. He has five interceptions, seven deflections, three fumble recoveries, and one forced fumble in his career. And who is your next best safety in what could be a deep class? Is it Kyle Hamilton? Well, I would tell you my number one safety is absolutely Kyle Hamilton. He's actually going back highest. to the Irish. <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah. Some people are going to call me biased for it, but I'm, I actually, for, from my experience over the last couple of years, I actually am usually a little lower on Notre Dame players because I think that I, you know, just watching them every Saturday plus the film work, I feel like I watch them and sometimes I overanalyze Notre Dame players, if that makes sense to a degree. So, Kyle Hamilton, for me, he's the top-rated player that I've watched so far. Kind of like Isaiah, six foot four, but he's a little more filled out. He's 219 pounds, 220 pounds. Was only a three-star recruit up until like the last couple weeks of recruiting when he bumped all the way from a high three to a five-star recruit. Wow, he was a guy that was diamond in the rough, and a guy that you know when I, I talked to him a couple times in the past, he was a kid that was five foot nine five foot 10 when he was a freshman or sophomore in high school. So he was not nearly developed early on in his high school career. And then he kind of just hits a growth spurt and he kind of hits what makes him special. And I think that he is a kid. If the great, if his preliminary grade ended up being his final grade, he would be the highest graded safety I've ever had. He is, I mean, again, from that size, he is quite, he is so special on a good Notre Dame defense. If they're playing him single high, probably more often than I would play him in single high because there are some matchup dictated things that I think that he could do. Uh, he can do anything in the secondary from playing in the slot, playing man coverage, you watching at Syracuse against 19 Johnson, who's 180 pound slot receiver, blanketing him in, in man coverage. You watch him against tight ends working in, in that regard with the size that he has and the athleticism, the quick twitch that he has can blanket them plays from a single high alignment, has range on the back end, doesn't get beaten that way. And then when he's in the run game, he doesn't miss tackles. He's not the like most ferocious hitter of all time where he's going to lay these huge shots like Isaiah Palomoa does at some point. All you got to do is wrap but, up. Right. All you have to do is wrap up, and the kids, he just simply does not miss tackles. So I, I think that there is very little that you can kind of poke holes in his game. He can play any any um, any safeties uh, you know role in the secondary, any defensive backs role in the secondary. I mean, I was joking when they were playing Alabama. Notre Dame's weaknesses were at cornerback this week this year. I may have taken him and just had him shadow Devonta Smith the whole time because I think he's that type of athlete where he could do it. So I really think that he is a absolutely special football player. I gave him a really lofty comparison to Kenny Easley, who used to play with the Seattle Seahawks sure. and was is in the Hall of Fame. He was another six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pound safety, and for the, a size profile that has that Kyle Hamilton has, it's rare to move like that. It's rare to be as refined as he is, and he also has again kind of that 
underdog mentality because he wasn't a highly recruited kid until very late in his career. So I think that he kind of has that chip on his shoulder. And when you kind of put everything together, I think that we're talking about a potential all pro multiple years in the NFL. I think he's that special of a football player. Yeah, especially he is, like you said, 6'4", 219, AP, first team, all ACC, Phil Steele's all ACC first team and a Benaric Award semifinalist. And you got to keep an eye out on a couple of RR's favorites. The Horn Frogs, Noah Daniels, a track star from Clear Creek High School. And the Red Raiders, Malik Dunlap, the NC State transfer, who had 14 pass breakups over the final two seasons. And at 6'3", 215, he can play safety, corner, nickelback for Tech. Ryan also sat down with Texas Tech's Marquise Waters, who had 234 tackles, 13 for losses, garnered three picks and 18 pass breakups in his career. So keep an eye out for that Duke transfer. That's why you got to follow him on Rise and Draft on Twitter. That's Rise at Capital N Draft. You have so many more preliminary reports, but everybody's just going to have to go to the website, coasttocoastscouting.com, to savor them all. Trust me, they are very comprehensive and a must read. All right, it's time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with Ryan Roberts. NFL draft analyst for Coast to Coast Scouting. Three lighter questions to close out the interview. Okay, first off, I can tell already by your Twitter feed, but how excited are you that the legendary Tim Tebow is back in the NFL? <laughs> oh, Chris, it's, it's just, oh, man, uh, you had to ask it, right? Um, oh, man, I, res- I respected Tim Tebow so much, man, when he was at Florida. He was, a, he was a great football player, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. I respect everything that he did in that regard. Just not a, a good enough passer to last in the NFL as a quarterback. And then he goes, goes to do the baseball thing. At 33 years old, 34 during the season, it, it, I think that it's just the publicity stuff, to be honest. Because it, it, for a player of Tim Tebow trying to make that transition, like he's an older guy, he's he's going to be a depth piece, potentially a tight end if he does make it, which means like a guy usually in that role is going to have to play special teams. He's going to have to do the dirty work in the run game. I don't think that there's developmental potential there. And I'm just a little confused why this has to happen. I understand he has a relationship with Urban Meyer. I get it. But for me, it's I, I just I don't think it's anything more than a publicity stunt. I don't see how he's going to potentially impact that team. Because if he's a backup tight end, is he going to play special teams? Is he going to come in and block? He, can he block? Has he ever blocked? <laughs> it's just a lot of question marks. And I'm just I, it's a very underwhelming thing for me. And I think that it's being talked about way more than it needs to right now. <laughs> well, he'll be great for the uh, Jaguars baseball beer league, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and number two, which is a more interesting or disturbing trend? Players opting out their senior year of high school now or the massive use of the transfer portal? Uh, oh, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think it's the senior year, honestly. I mean, the transfer portal has been crazy, and me and David have talked about it so much at this point. It's like at some points it was over 1,500 kids in the transfer portal, and it's just like, it's just exhausting trying to keep up with all the movement. But I, I think it is the senior year just because like we're talking about, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids that are still developing as football players. And I, I don't know. I, I just find it. I, I just find it very uneasy that kids are going to start doing that because it's not like they're finished products. It's not like they have 
you know, they're about to make the transition where like they have millions on the line, you know, down the, uh, you know, in a very near future. I, I think that it's, I think you got to get in the college. You got to get in the college first before all that right. happens. Exactly. You you have at least three years, you know, in between where you have to make that, that jump. Obviously, I, I just think that it's going to hurt developmental potential. I think that it's going to hurt these kids in general. Um, so I definitely say it's the senior year thing. I, I just it, it's going to hurt not only the quality of high school football, but I think also the quality of college football players when they get there. It's definitely a trend to follow. And finally, I'm a foodie. So what would be one legendary place and meal from your home state of New Jersey? Oh, uh, uh, legend- uh, I mean, I, I wish I could go over the bridge. I mean, I would go to like Gino's or Pat's or oh, something like yeah. that to get you a cheesesteak cheese instead. Yeah, we a um, uh, place that we like. I don't know if it's legendary. We like um, Over the Moon Cafe here in New Jersey. It's really good. Um, it's about like 20 minutes from, from our place, but it's so good that we try to go as often as possible. They are kind of like. They, they, they kind of take ordinary dishes and make it a little more like, you know, a little more interesting with like some stuffed pork chops and Ropa Vieja, which is like this beef stew. So oh, nice. they had a lot of good stuff. So um, Under the Moon Cafe here, it's in Bordentown, New Jersey, would definitely be a good one. But I wish that I could cheat a little bit and go over the go over the bridge and grab a cheesesteak from Philly. You can. We won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And we've been speaking with Ryan Roberts, NFL Draft Analyst for Coast to Coast Scouting and Expand the Box Score Plus regional scouting for the college gridiron showcase check out his podcast at believe in nfl draft prospects and maverick sports consulting with the aforementioned david turner you can find him on twitter a great follow rise and draft that's rise capital n draft thanks for joining me again ryan absolutely chris a lot of fun man i really appreciate it and of course believe in college football legends is presented by bet online Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.